0: Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This
1: is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Johnson strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The
0: Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG.
2: And welcome back to The Scoop. We are the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. I'm Emily Collin. And I'm Laura Jolly. And LJ, we're back. We're back to regular programming after our special series, Baggy Green Queens. And the Ashes, it's it's crept, crept up on us, as always. There's been a bit happening. So on today's show, we've got former Aussie legend and, of course, the current Australian assistant coach, Shelley Nitschke, to talk through the Ashes squad. There's been heaps of talking points. But firstly, LJ, we know that there's been a lot of chaos in the world, particularly because of this, you know, this COVID pandemic that is just not going away, it's still here. And so that has meant that the whole Ashes series has been brought through a week. So, LJ, you were on deck throughout this time. Was it a bit of a shock for you to find out that everything was going to be brought forward and the reasons why?
0: Yeah, I think originally we saw all the borders were reopening and we all just thought happy days, the schedule's going to be able to go ahead as planned. Wonderful. Of course, COVID had its say once more. So, basically, the team have to go to New Zealand earlier than expected. New Zealand changed their border rules. The team now have to spend 10 days in isolation there before they are allowed out to get ready for the World Cup. So that has meant that clashed with the last few ODIs and has meant the whole thing has had to be brought forward. So basically the test match has stayed the same, um, probably as the key match in the middle there. That's still at Manuka, still starting January 27, but instead we've got all three T20s starting at Adelaide Oval from Thursday the 20th and then the first ODI will be at Marnica after the test followed by the last two ODIs at Melbourne's Junction Oval at the end of the series. They've also changed the A series to mirror what's happening with the Ashes. And unfortunately, it did mean that Sydney was no longer is no longer part of the schedule, which obviously is a huge shame for Sydney fans. But I think once they had to split up the white ball games with the test in the middle, it was just going to be too hard to have that fourth venue in the mix. So one of Adelaide, Melbourne or Sydney was going to miss out. Nice. LJ, you've done a
2: very good job of remembering that all. I think I've been back on deck for about a week and it hasn't sunk into my brain yet. So I'm glad that I've got you to <laughs> tell me where, where I need to be and when. And we've also, we've got a squad. It's been long awaited and I feel like there's been a lot of discussion about, around this Asher squad and who's going to make it. But today uh, the selectors announced a 15-player squad. So we've got, of course, we've got Megan Shoot and Jess Jonathan back, which is which is great news for them, and I'm sure a lot of fans will be pumped to see those girls back in. And for the first time, Alana King has been named in an Australian squad. So there was there was lots of sort of, um, I guess, debate in the lead-up Following the WBBL season, we saw Amanda J Wellington. She had an outstanding WBBL, but so did Alana King. So, and it looks like the select- selectors have landed on Kingy for this squad, which is which is really exciting. She's been on the scoop twice, so we love Kingy at the scoop. And then, unfortunately, we won't see Stella Campbell, Molly Strano, Maitland Brown, Georgia Redmayne in the squad. But there, of course, they'll be in Australia A, eh? and that you we never know. You might see them. Playing their part in the ashes. And of course, we've also got Sophie Molyneux and Georgia Wareham that are both injured. But LJ, what did you, what did you like about this squad? Were you surprised? And what what were your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I think um, the Australian selectors probably had to take a slightly different approach to what they had been hoping a month or so ago. And I did speak to Matthew Mott pretty soon after WBBL and he, he did indicate there would be a fair bit more change between the formats. But I think with the the COVID restrictions, that hasn't ended up being possible. I've had to kind of pick and stick to a, a smaller squad just to because of the bubble that's going to be around the team. But it is exciting to see Alana King get her opportunity. It's always fun having an uncapped player around the squad. And, um, yeah, so good seeing JJ back. Yeah, yeah, it's going
2: to be awesome. And so I guess...
0: Your favourite
2: things about the squad or yeah. in the Oz A squad too? Oz a squad. Oh, one one I was probably surprised about was Courtney Sipple. I think she's probably not one that maybe a lot of people would have expected to be in that A squad, but I think she, yeah, she showed for the Brisbane Heat and WBBL seven that she she's a really good bowler, and it's going to be exciting to see her in the Great Green and Gold, and as well as Phoebe Litchford. I think, yeah, it was only a matter matter of time before she was going to. We're gonna see her in the green and gold as well. And so I'm really hoping that we can see some good performances from Phoebe. And I guess like the one that everyone has really been talking about. And we were saying before, there's probably we've probably never seen so much debate and contention and fans getting so involved in a selection is the whole Alana King versus Amanda Jade Wellington. It's kind of just taken over Twitter today, which has been interesting to see. But yeah, it was interesting to listen to what how Sean Flegler framed his reason for selecting Kingy. He sort of thought that Kingy was more of a like-for-like a like replacement for Georgia Wareham, who's obviously been in the that Australian team for a long time. So I mean, the selectors, they've got all the rights to pick who they've got to pick. But yeah, Wello had an outstanding WBBL as well. So it was it's probably always going to be a line call. What did you think, LJ, of that one?
0: Yeah, I think, it like you said, it was always going to be a super tight call. And both players had really good WBBL campaigns. Their numbers were, you know, well, I took more wickets. King had the lower economy rate. And I think at the end of the day, they do have a tendency with their bowling attack to really try and strangle opposition sides, probably with the exception of the express quicks who have a bit more freedom to get tonked around and where someone who is known for her economy and Pace through the air and being able to squeeze a bit more than someone like Wallow, who just gets big spin and can be mm. tremendously successful, or or probably go for more runs. So yeah. sounds like they've they've picked the player that best fits their plans and and their current approach. I guess you'd say.
2: Yeah, yeah, it all makes sense. And so LJ, you're good at explaining this sort of stuff. There's 15 players in each squad: the Ashes squad and the Australia A squad, and there's going to be quite a lot of restrictions on these players due to the current COVID situation in basically every city that the Ashes are traveling to. So what does that mean in terms of flexibility and why we still might see Redmayne and Campbell play a a part in the Ashes?
0: Yeah, so it's been an interesting one. They've um, obviously split the 30 players into 15 in each squad across Oz and Oz A, which they may not have done in non-COVID times because they would have been easily able to send the fringe players from the Australia squad back to play Jose, and they have indicated that still might be the case, but they're keeping the two teams completely separate. Uh, part of that is just if there are COVID cases in either camp, they don't want it to take down the whole lashes, um, which is going to be particularly important in getting closer to the back end where we've been told that if a t- player tests positive for COVID soon, uh, close before that flight to New Zealand, they'll miss the whole World Cup. They can't catch up later. If you're not on that plane when the rest of the team goes, that's it. So, they've got to be so careful with their protocols to make sure those big stars are available not just for the Ashes, but for the World Cup. So, with that in mind, they're keeping the two squads totally separate. Their protocols for getting into Adelaide have been really interesting separate flights, some players are driving, periods of isolation on arrival to try and get them into that bubble as safely as possible. And so, what that means is someone like Redmayne or Campbell, who were in the India squad, but Got few opportunities. Definitely Georgia Redmain carry drinks the whole tournament. Um, so they wanted to get game time. They wanted to be playing. So to get her on the field, she's best off being in the A squad, play probably all six games for Australia A unless she's required by the senior team. She gets really good experience, and which is more than what she'd be if she was just stuck carrying drinks in the in the senior side. Doesn't mean that they can't have players moving between the teams at all. They um they've still said they're going to try and send players back to play in Aussie if they're not getting a game for Australia, but it is going to take really strict protocols, potentially separate changing rooms, no touching on the field, the sort of things we've seen in the big bash with um various players. So it just sounds like a nightmare, um, but it's still going to mean, there's going to be big ramifications for the World Cup too, uh, I guess, with the squad, which hasn't been picked yet.
2: Yeah, you're right, LJ. So for the battle for the World Cup squad is not over yet. So obviously the Ashes squad is... It's meant to cover three formats for it because there's obviously it's a multi-format series. But for that World Cup squad, which doesn't have to be picked until the 25th, that's obviously just for the one format, for the one-day format. So I'm sure the selectors will be watching very closely at that Australia A group to see if anyone's in really great form or if there's someone like a Georgia Redmayne or a Stella Campbell that they want over in that group for the World Cup. They can, they can certainly force their way in there. So... It's going to be a really exciting series, both the, the Ashes and, of course, the Australia A versus England A. And, yeah, it's, I think there's eight days to go, which is unbelievable, a little bit stressful, but it's going to be an unbelievable series and, and we can't wait for it to get underway. And now we hope you, hope you enjoyed listening to one of the greats of Aussie cricket, Shelly Nitschke. And Shelly Nitschke, a legend of Australian cricket, welcome to The Scoop. Shell, Ashes Squad Day is always an exciting one. How are you feeling? What's the the vibe been around the group heading into the Ashes this year?
1: Yeah, look, I think it's um, obviously with the squad coming out today, it's all starting to to get, um, you know, a bit real, which is good because there's been obviously a lot of discussion around different things happening in the world at the moment. So um, for us, it's it's nice to get the squad out there and start to think about cricket and, and getting the series underway. So... You know, a few an exciting time for, for Kingy, who's been announced today um as a new player. So yeah, it, it's it's good to to have that squad out there and, and get people sort of shifting their focus a bit.
0: Yeah, first we did want to talk about Kingy, the the new face in the squad. You've um coached her with the Scorchers this year. Can you talk us a bit about what Kingy's like as a bowler and as a teammate? Yeah so
1: you know fantastic obviously to see Kingy get an opportunity um, at higher higher honours and she's had a, a good couple of years particularly at the WBBL and and this year for the Scorchers so um, you know she's a, a leg spinner coming in to replace um, unfortunately Wolfie who's injured but you know Kingy um, she, she brings her own style of game she's uh, I think quite quick through the air she gives the ball some, some good revs but she's She's quite quick through the air. She's got a bit of a bit of flair about her, um, and yeah, as a teammate, she's uh, sort of one that gets around the girls a lot and gets a really brings the group with her, gets up and about, and um, was fantastic. I know um, in the scorchers this year in that regard in bringing in the team together and the internationals coming in. So you know, I think she's going to add a, a really good element to the squad.
2: Yeah, awesome. And, Shell, you would have done a bit of work with Kingy throughout the national performance squads and things like that. How have you seen her evolve as a a leg spinner over the years?
1: Yeah, I did. We had her up here in the NPS program a couple of years ago. Um, and and I think she's evolved nicely. She's um, probably got a a few more variations. I think the main thing for Kingy is is her match match awareness and game sense has really evolved. Um, I think we've always known that the skill has always been there, but I think it's her game sense that's evolved and um, her ability to, I guess, think on her feet now in the middle, out in the middle when she doesn't have people around her to tell her what to do. So I think that's been a, um, a major sort of shift in her um you know she feels really well she's she's a bundle of energy out there so it's been good to watch her game grow over the past few seasons and now she's been rewarded with some good performances
2: looking to wear the sun is in the green and gold
1: I hope so. or the white. she does it, she does it. That's her thing, so you know. I, I hope she stays true to what she does and and doesn't let that, uh, that, let that the green and gold scare her from from bringing in her
0: um her uniqueness. So you we know, we do love see. her
2: style. Sunny's in the bag of green. Yeah,
0: a bit of flair <laughs> won't hurt us. Oh, and so obviously, there's unfortunately no Wera or Molyneux for the Ashes, but JJ's back. Um, in great news. How do you see JJ and Kingy potentially fitting into the same eleven and and complementing one another?
1: Yeah, look, I think um, you know, it's fantastic to have JJ back. She um disappointingly for her missed uh the India series, but then came back and had a really good WBBL. So she just seems to sort of pick up where she left off. And um I think we we definitely missed her reliability um in the India series to the ball. So I I definitely think that there's there's room for, for her and King. You know, JJ's um She can play a defensive role as well as an attacking role um, and and very adaptable. And Kingy being a leg spinner, um, they're more of your attacking type players. So, you know, I think whilst they still are both spinners, there's definitely um, scope for them both because they've got um, certainly enough variations and and enough differences to be able to, to slot into the same team.
0: Yeah, speaking of JJ, how impressive is it that she can miss that India series, be out with injury, but then just come back into WBBL like that and have such a dominant campaign? Yeah, I think
1: it just speaks volumes for, um, you know, first of all, JJ's professionalism. Um, you sh- you've seen her do it before. You know, she's missed a few series before or, or whatever with some some small injuries and she's just able to to pick up where she left off and, you know, she does a lot of work. She puts in a lot of volume with her skills and I think that pays dividends for things like this. She knows her game really well. She's really confident with it. She's got, um, you know, she's got good cricket sense. So she's just able to back that and, and pick up where she left off. And, you know, I've been doing a bit of work with her the last couple of days before we sort of head off in the ashes. And, you know, she hasn't sort of missed a beat since she she missed um, a bit of time out with that previous injury. So I think it's just a credit to sort of the, the work she does on her skills. And And, you know, she's been doing it for a while now too. So, Um, She keeps her her game plan pretty simple and she's just able to execute.
2: And Ash Gardner is another one, Shell, that uh, we saw her bowl really well throughout that India series. What role do you see her playing in the spin group in the upcoming Ashes?
1: Yeah, look, Ashes, like you said, she had a a really good series of the ball, I think, against India. Um, Played a a really big role for us in the Test match. And and I think Ash is going to continue to to play a a good role in, in Test match cricket for us um as well as the odis uh probably you know we might see her in the t20s as well um england i guess have all right hand batters and we've got two spinners that take the ball away from the right hand batters so at at times ash doesn't get exposed as much with the ball in t20 cricket but certainly not because she's not able it's just a matter of our our team makeup but you know i think she's going to play. a pretty significant role, particularly in the ODIs and the Test Match through the Ashes for us.
0: Yeah, I think there was a bit of talk during the India series about the work she did over the winter to sort of tweak her game, particularly for the Test Match. Uh, Have you seen some of those small changes that she's made?
1: Yeah, I think that the main, you know, I think with her bowling, it's been um, evolving for some time and she's been slowly just working away at different things and finding her right pace and her right lines for different formats. Um, I think a lot of the work she done was sort of, um, in and around her batting and and technically and trying to make herself a bit tighter for Test match cricket. And she played really well for us against India. So she certainly um, was showing some signs of, of that work paying off. Well, I think with her bowling, you know, she's long time. She's a great bowler and, um, you know, she, she's always um, been a, a good um, performer for us in, in ODI cricket. So to me, it was no surprise that she bowled really well in ODIs and in the Test match. Um, especially, I think she was... With the test match, she was, you know, she's able to get her rhythm, so she sort of settled in and, and bowled a couple of really good spells and some long spells as well, which was um, really important for us.
2: And, Shell, any insight from you into the Alana King versus Amanda Jade Wellington selection? It's It has been the talking point of the day. So it certainly has any... been. Yeah, there's been uh, <laughs>
1: yep. a fair bit of um, publicity about it. Um, yeah. And, and obviously today the squad's dropped and um, and King has been named in our, our team, but... Um, I sort of didn't uh, didn't have a, a, too much input into that. Um, I guess, you know, I've I watched them both during obviously had Kingy in my team, but watched Wellow mm-hmm. pretty closely during the WBBL too and she was fantastic. So um I, I don't know the decisions behind it, but um, you know, it, it's a it's a tough call and, and on this occasion I, I guess that have me the opportunity to um to Kinney, but um Wellie was absolutely fantastic through the, the WBBL, and I'm sure she's gonna do really well in the um
0: Uh, Aussie games. And um, it's been a bit of an interesting lead into the Ashes. The WBBL ended in late November and then the COVID situation kind of wreaked havoc with WNCL a bit. Um, From a a coaching perspective, has that changed anything about how you're going to prepare the players for this series, considering some of them like moons haven't played at all since the end of WBBL? Oh, look, I don't think so. To be
1: honest, I'm not sure we've got much opportunity to prepare to have much control over how we prepare. Um, we sort of are arriving in in Adelaide a few days before the first game. We've got um, a couple of practice matches back-to-back um, on, on the one day, um, and then we sort of just some decent sessions, and then we're into it. So we don't really have much opportunity to change how we prepare, um, but we do know that the girls have been doing a hell of a lot of work Um, I think our messaging is just going to be around backing your your skills and your preparation and everything that you've done leading into this. And and even though they may not have had the amount of um, match practice that we potentially would have liked, um, I think we've shown in in the past that that we can overcome that um, as long as we're really sort of um, switched on come come game day and just making the most of our practice games and, and putting ourselves in some... You know, trying to put ourselves into some tough positions when we're even in the nets and things like that. So I think the girls have got the ability to, to overcome that. And while it's not ideal, um, you know, it, it is what it is, unfortunately. But, um, you yeah, I, I back us in to, to be able to sort of um, get through, I guess, not not having as much match practice as we would have liked.
2: Yeah, it is what it is. I feel like that's just what everyone's saying at the moment. And it's <laughs> been pretty, like, chaotic for, I guess, like the past two years, Shell. Has that sort of like change the way that you, Maddie and Ben, have to work together and do you just have to sort of, I guess, be super adaptable the whole time just because everything seems to change. Yeah, I don't think
1: so. Yeah, well, no, I don't think so. You're absolutely right. We talk about it all the time, about being adaptable. Um, and if there's anything that's come out of the last couple of years, it is simply that. It's about being adaptable and I think also just accepting the fact that not everything's going to run as smoothly as you would have liked. Um and, and it's not going to be perfect. So we know coming into this series, you know, with with some of the protocols and, and restrictions that not everything's going to be as we would have liked with our lead up and our training sessions, um, but just being really adaptable. And I guess, you know, in some ways we don't plan too much ahead and and we're not doing session plans too, too much in advance, which in some ways is a good thing um, because you know that there's going to be some changes. But, yeah, to, just to be adaptable and also just trying to, I think sort of stay stay pretty level and stay calm around that too because if you I think as a coach if you if you get yourself into a, a fluster because things are changing then you know that the players are going to pick up on that as well so um, you know you, you've just got to learn to, to roll with the punches whether it's in your makeup or not I think
0: yeah and you've been in this role since 2018 now what do you love about it and what are some of the challenges been since you've been doing it uh,
1: yeah look I just um, what do I love about it I just love it. Uh, like uh, I think um, when I when I first came into the role I, I sort of realized that um, you know not not being in in high perform- I have missed not being in high performance and but and being back around the group again um, in the, in a high performance role with a team like that was sort of you know where I, I guess I, I wanted to be and take my my career so I certainly love um, you know working closely with the girls and and I guess seeing them you um, you know, seeing them play well and, and sort of starting to to execute some things that you've spoken about or, um, I guess, coming to you with um, with questions and knowing that you're actually having an impact on that. Um, mm-hmm. And and just sort of, yeah, I, I do enjoy sort of um, having a, a, a bigger impact or trying to have a, a bit more influence in and around the culture of the team as well, which I think is really important. So it's just fantastic to be involved with, I think, this group. Um, and, you know, what changes have there been? Well, where do I start? I think in the last two years, you know, the, the team has probably um, evolved a little bit as far as personnel goes. Um, not not significantly, I, I would say, but I think the, the main changes are what we're seeing now with COVID and, and just that extra layer of challenge that it brings you know, the girls are expected to go out there and perform for their country. Um, and then you bring in everything else around protocols and biosecurity and that, and that just adds a, an extra layer and just seeing that the way they respond to that and sort of helping through that has, has been, um, you know, it's been really rewarding, but it's it's it's, it's tough, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, Shell, I think we've had Modi on this exact podcast singing your praises before, so maybe it's your turn now been he's been obviously very successful as a head coach in his time. What do you think it is about his approach to coaching that brings out the best in this Aussie team?
1: Yeah, I think um you know Moddy's, um yeah he's he, he's just a good guy, right? So he's uh he's very um personable um you know he's got a lot of empathy for the players and, and what they're going through um and has a really good relationship with the players so um, but, but also he's, he's very realistic in, in what he expects and, and things like that. So, you know, I think from, from my point of view, I sort of um, when I went into my first head coach role with Scorchers. I know a lot of the things and, and the traits that I picked up sort of came from the way Modi approaches things. He's, um, you know, pretty, pretty laid back and, and um, sort of lets the players have, um, I guess, as much input into their own game and take ownership for a lot of things um, which I, I think they thrive on um, yeah. and, and treating them like people and um, making sure that you know we're really open to um, people coming into the group and not closing ourselves off and think all those sorts of things I, I've really um, learned from him and tried to sort of take for well I went to a head coach role so um, yeah I, I think that's sort of the the, the main things and um, I know cricket perspective if ever I've got any questions I know it doesn't sort of overcomplicate things as well um yeah and and it's quite sort of um clear on his messaging and things like that
0: and you've been part of plenty of ashes series yourself as a player um what do you love about the ashes and what have been some of your favorite memories you've been involved in
1: yeah I think um yeah the ashes it's, it's just a it's just special, like it's it's just um, that um, old rivalry between Australia and England, and um, everyone sort of I think takes a step up for it, and 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 really, um, you know, it's got a lot, it's steeped in a lot of history. Um, so I, I think there's there's always that on players' mind that you know that there's a lot that's come before and um, and a lot of stories about the Ashes and things like that. So um, it's certainly a pretty special, and you know, it's one of it's getting to be a bit different now, but it was one of the only times we would play test match cricket. Um, mm. but now that's starting to, you know, as we see against India, that's starting to change a little bit, which is which is great. But um, yeah, I think it's just steeped in that that history of um there's that tradition and um, competitiveness against England. Um so players sort of, you know, um take that step up. And and for me, I think um probably one of the my greatest memories of the Ashes was winning them back, I think, in, um, in Bankstown in 2011, I think it was. Um, because at one point, the Ashes, went when it was just test matches, it got down to being just one test. So obviously, yeah. if you held the Ashes, all you had to do was draw the test. So we didn't hold the Ashes. So we actually, to get the Ashes back, we had to win the test. And um, yeah, we, we had a, a pretty good performance there at Bankstown. I think um, it's been Written about more recently again um, with Renee Farrell to the hat trick, and um, we got him back, and it was uh, it was a pretty good moment. So I was involved in th- 2005 when we lost it for the first time in 40 years, um, and, and you know I've spoken to someone recently about that too, and and that was uh, uh, that that hurt because you saw how much it meant to them and the celebrations that went on after yeah. To be involved in that team that lost it after 40 years, <laughs> it was <laughs> nice to be able to be in this, involved in the same team that got it back for them as well. <laughs>
2: No, no, do you still have your baggy green shell? I do, yeah, I certainly do. Does it live at home? It does live at home. Well, actually,
1: I think it's in storage at the moment. I'm sort <laughs> of we haven't, uh, um, we've still got some stuff in storage in Adelaide. I think it might be down there, but I've, I've absolutely got it. I've absolutely got Good. it.
2: Do you, remember, do you remember? Like, was there a presentation or any of like I know we see these very long presentations these days. Was there any? anything like that when you got yours we
1: certainly did have a presentation yeah i don't remember the cameras and stuff being there like they are now but um played my first one in england and fitzy presented me with my, my baggy greens okay. So uh, i do remember that so so that was a good day um that was in 2005 oh beautiful
2: oh shell yeah. it's been absolutely awesome to have you on the scoop we wish you all the best for the upcoming ashes series and hopefully catch you there and hopefully see some great cricket
1: yeah thanks for having me so- Back and
2: enjoy the stroke play of big this is
1: excellent batting by ash gardner even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince has the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks italian leather jackets and so much more